0: It's really cool having you Morgan here, Morgan Harper. She's, She's of course a U.S. Senate, Senate candidate. She ran this year uh, within, within the Democratic primary within Ohio. Ohio. It's, nice, it's nice having, having you here. Today, How are you today, Morgan?
1: Good, good. Thanks for having me. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: For some, yeah, some, some reason, I, I, yeah, yeah. For some, some reason, I, yeah, for some some reason this intermediate software is 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 is, is working my nerves today. I just unplugged my camera because we're not going to be face to face, so that's good. Okay. I was fascinated fascinated by by you earlier this year year and and your U.S. Senate Senate run, mainly because because I I noticed that for a lot lot of candidates who are progressives and and Democratic Democratic candidates in general, there is a, a... obstinacy because Because i saw it with ilhan omar recently in her primary primary, and i saw it with tim ryan in in the senate in the the democratic senate Senate primary to to fill rob portman's seat in ohio where where they they simply refuse to debate people people. they Uh they, and it's not necessarily (laughs) like a form of de-platforming but they 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 are they they just have this idea that i don't have to speak to these other people and
1: ilhan omar didn't debate or she had an opponent who wouldn't uh, she,
0: she did not debate, debate her, opponent. her opponent she, she just did, did she flat out, out didn't and, I, and it isn't like she's, she's my, my probably my favorite no congressperson person, even above aoc, AOC. She, she like, like uh-huh. people villainize, people villainize her. her oh yeah like just, just out, out, out and because out because she's a brown, brown woman she's, she's muslim. a muslim she's, she's a refugee. refugee like like people say the most awful terrible things about her and her family that just aren't true and so i just found it interesting at her being one of the leading house progressives she did not debate her opponent um and, and for me, me and, and, and I, noticed I noticed in your case first, first when it came, it came to Tim, Tim Ryan, Ryan and, you know, you manhandled <laughs> Josh Mandel. <laughs> Mandel in that, debate. That, was that was really awesome. awesome. Um, and we'll and get we'll to that, get that here, in here in a minute. minute. But, but, you know, I, I think, think there's value, value in, in having, having a discussion of ideas in front of, in front of an audience of people. people. Not, not like, you know, just some random person on Twitter, but like, you know, debate me, bro, or someone on Reddit.
1: But it's, but it's more like, like a, uh,
0: to have, have that discussion, discussion in, public, in public if you're, if you're going, going to be a public, public persona making policy decisions, right? right? It, there, has there has to be that exchange, right? at, least at least between candidates, candidates. Without because without it, people, I think, I think we fundamentally lose something, something our, our, our ability or at least our want to discuss something, discuss something, or, at something. or at least to discuss the topics, topics that matter to us as a public, as a society. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. You know, especially with the state of media right now, there aren't a lot of public spheres in the commons where ideas are debated, where we hear different perspectives, where especially from our elected officials, where it's, it can be very easy for them to control the messaging and whatever dialogue that they're engaging in. And in a debate if it's truly fair, which you know, hopefully it has some structure to it that it enables that, you don't have total control. You are forced to defend your beliefs and it's less likely that you have a lot of spin and your team that's influencing what you're saying. It really is a reflection of who you truly are in a way and what you believe and why. And so I think it's incredibly valuable. I wouldn't say that you know, someone who doesn't debate is a horrible person, but I have right, real right. issues with right. that. Um, and right. I do think that that should be something that we expect from anyone who's putting themselves out there to be a political leader.
0: Yeah, cause yeah. because if, if, if you're out, you're out there, there and, and, that's and that's what, what you're, you're doing... doing uh-huh. um, if you, if you choose, choose that you want to run, run for office that's, that's kind of what you sign up for, for. that's
1: a bit of the gig for. yeah <laughs> yeah it's I mean it's it's, it's, it's kind of what it is, what it is. Um, um, and, and I, I just I think, I, think really, I think it's really I think it's an odd thing, thing. I think it I think shows,
0: shows and I don't necessarily I don't, don't want to like hang this around there, the neck of people like of Ilhan Omar but it's more like I I find that sort of idea that I'm not going to debate other people I'm just not going to speak to them on a public forum I'm going to speak past them with like with ads and you know attacks from the standpoint when I'm talking, talking to, to constituents uh, or, or at least supporters, supporters of mine, of mine I, I, I just find it, I don't want to say entitled, but it just it it, 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 it brings this air of there's not going to be, fair fight, or or least, going to be a fair fight, fight. Or at the very least, this is not really a, a democratic, small d democratic discussion.
1: Yeah. And that was kind of my view in the case of our campaign was, look, OK, maybe you're not taking me seriously as a primary rival, whatever. But regardless, you know, especially here in Ohio, we have a voter turnout problem as Democrats is it's not, we don't, we're not losing because there aren't registered Democratic voters or even more registered Democratic voters than Republican. It's because they don't show up to vote for the Democrats that we're putting up. Right. And if that's going to change, well then we need to be aggressively making a case to the people as to why whatever agenda that we stand for is the right one. And debates are another way of marketing essentially, you know, the brand that is the democratic nominee. So, you know, we got some, we got some pushback when I did the debate with with Josh Mandel, you know, for <laughs> a totally different set of reasons. But I think the same principle holds, and that's why I felt strongly about doing that. Is look, I'm not controlling who's putting themselves out, you know, self out there to be an elected official to run for office. But what I do think that we have control over is what. We ask them which questions we ask them, what their positions are, my counters to those positions, and then their obligation to then defend themselves. (laughs) And that is democracy. That is what the public process for politics should be. And regardless of what your party is, I do think there's an expectation that you engage in that.
0: It's It's, it is interesting your your run run because because someone someone like like Nina Turner, Turner, who has been a very prominent voice in the progressive progressive movement, really since 2015, 2016, when she came sort of the national stage with Bernie Sanders. Sanders. It's It's interesting to me a lot of of the Democratic establishment. The excuse that's given given by people like like Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Hoyer, you know, Clyburn's is that we endorse incumbents. We always endorse endorse people who are already in office, which, okay, you (laughs) want to set that as a policy? We'll set aside how problematic that already is because it's just this Washington game of like, well, these are my friends, you know, these are the people who I see on the elevator. These are the people that, you know, I speak to on the phone or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's a very bizarre sort of idea that you wouldn't endorse those who you think represent since the, the democratic, democratic values best because especially like in the case like, like versus Jessica Cisneros versus, versus like Cuellar like, it's like what are you what are doing <laughs> right <laughs> it's like, it's it's like, like what, what? It's like, yeah what, what is the principle yeah it was, was Matt I think anything is I just just a quick aside thought I thought it was wonderful to see like you had, like, had Clyburn and Hoyer out there alongside Cuellar literally days after there was a leaked opinion of, of Dobbs v. Jackson oh, yeah. be overruled. This, this, it, was it was beautiful. beautiful. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah um, I, I think it is interesting in that conversation around, around candidates and people, people in particular around the establishment in around the inculcating, inculcating itself is, is in and in of, of itself a, a, a discriminatory, discriminatory and I think as systemically, systemically structurally racist. racist way of, of doing, doing politics because, because it prevents black people who are often, especially in the case in the of the Senate, Senate, not a part of the establishment already. Instead of endorsing those staying or staying out of, it, out of it and encouraging an and, a, a, a debate, encouraging those, those who would be considered the best for the job or the best, or the best who represents, represents democratic ideals, unfortunately, unfortunately
1: the, the, game the game of that insider uh,
0: politicking is, is still unfortunately goes on and it pushes out people like uh, Nina, Nina Turner, Turner and yourself, and her, and her case against Chantel, and your case, case against people like Tim Ryan, because Tim Ryan, because Tim Ryan because he, he might be, you know, you know like a, a solid vote, vote on something like Bill Back Better or something. Or something. But, but like, like he's, he's this. He, if you, if, if, especially, especially like if you listen to a lot of his the way he, he speaks, and he goes on a lot of these like very obviously hyped up rants in the House of Representatives, which is, you know, that's cute, that's nice for him. But 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 at the same time, he's like this very anti-China sort of hardline, anti-communist, anti-leftist figure. And I I, I do think think that movements that are to the left left of someone like a Joe Biden are really necessary in the Democratic Party. Party. What is is your your sense sense of the atmosphere atmosphere for black women? women? in particular in 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 light light of your debate with people like josh mandel because Because meanwhile you know nancy Pelosi and and hoyer and Clyburn may not endorse you or they may endorse endorse against against you you. people People like josh mandel will literally say straight up to your face face, like "Like, you seem seem so so angry why are you so angry and it's just like it's just and they just bring out this trope of like well she's a black woman of course in her person in just the in the molecules that make her up she's just angry
1: well, there's a lot there. So I mean, first on the incumbent point, my view is incumbents have so many advantages, right? It's incredible. I had no understanding of this before beginning to run Ferocious. But once you're an incumbent, like you were referencing, I mean, you have people who also have very prominent platforms that are likely to rally behind you. You have the ability as A technical elected official, even if you're also a candidate simultaneously, but as an elected official, you're always going to have an easier time getting media to cover what you're doing as you represent your district, you know, even if you're in a live campaign. And so my view is, and this was, and this would be if I'm in charge of party is look. Let's have as many people run as possible in a way during a primary because we're developing talent. People pick up the skills of what campaigns look like. Our incumbents, even if they are likely to win, they become stronger. And you know, especially if we're looking towards a competitive general election. And so this is a win-win in a lot of ways. And it engages the public just like we were talking about with the debate point. And so yeah, I think it's not only not the right thing to do. It's bad strategy even if you're totally self-interested. And and I and I do think a lot of young voters, a lot of black voters in particular are starting to really say like, okay, hey, what's up? You know, we want to we want to know our choices. We are going to be evaluating candidates on a policy basis. And so we don't want the party telling us in advance who our person is. We want to do that for ourselves. So that's my view on it. And then in terms of the second question was more about the role of of people who are left of joe biden the The president yeah yeah, kind of like a joe biden fdr because like like, a lot lot of people compare compare
0: fdr to joe biden but joe biden's Biden's
1: kind of like like, like, yeah yeah, let's like 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 let's build infrastructure infrastructure, why not well you know what i would love for us as a progressive movement to focus on is what are going to be the policies that will achieve whatever this american experiment is supposed to be about that regardless of who you are you have a shot to right, really right. not only survive but be okay right that's right, a pretty that's a pretty low bar. Right. and for me, in the journey that I've taken through policy and you know doing a lot of different jobs along the way in in Washington outside of Washington, I came to the conclusion that we have some structural issues in this economy that are preventing that from being true, and you know we can pretend otherwise and think that if we just like, oh, I don't know, if you just but, have like if, if we have better, we have better job, job training, training,
0: guys, if we just, just like spend like exactly grants for yes. like low income communities, communities, then, then everything then we could just even, even the, playing the playing field, field. Totally. I totally totally I totally.
1: All, get that. all BS. And in fact, and even you know <laughs> place that a special especially close to my heart and I love, you know, consumer protection, CFPB, I was left with the conclusion that this, this isn't doing enough because of these structural issues in the economy. And so that's where I've landed on, hey, we've got monopoly issues. This antitrust stuff is big. We need to be making sure that when we say we've got these markets out there, that you actually the regular people have any shot of gaining enough in that to to be okay. And so, you know, from a policy perspective, that's where I've landed. I think that every person who says that they're progressive should also consider themselves to be an anti-monopolist and also has to understand how the economy is functioning to be able to advocate for the policies that are going going to address these issues and ensure that, you know, we have vibrant local, local economies, that we have the ability for small businesses to be okay, that we get the healthcare that we need, because a lot of that has to do with Hospital consolidation and the drug cartels and pharmacy benefit managers. I need every progressive to know what a pharmacy benefit manager is. And I say this with no judgment, because (laughs) to be real, two years ago, I did not know what that was, right? Right, But now I do. And so we need to understand these things in detail so that our arguments are ironclad and we cannot be dismissed as we advocate for the policies that are going to accomplish what we need as a people to be okay. And that are going to put us in a political position in Washington state, you know, at the state level, local government, whatever, to be able to build that political power to implement that vision once we are able to win and govern.
0: And 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 I think that's also also sort of of a a fundamental fundamental disagreement disagreement between between a lot lot of people who would call themselves, quote unquote, progressive, because because a lot of people when 2016 kicked off off, like like Bernie Bernie Sanders is the real is is like, like, of course, course the real deal. But really, the first time that we that there was a shot, a real shot at a person who is, of course, left of the Democratic Party, but a person who would describe themselves as a democratic socialist. to to be be at the head head of the executive, executive, right? right? And And many many people people on the left, in particular, particular, those those who would be considered considered anti-capitalist, People who are who think, think that, that the, the problem, problem with the American, American economy is the fact that it is a capitalist economy. economy. Uh-huh. And, and who would argue that capitalism is inherently, is inherently unequal, is inherently against the spirit, against the spirit of something, say, like the 14th Amendment or the Declaration of Independence, even, even just some just of the plain wording of the preamble or just or the, the idea of the Constitution, Constitution in several places, places, particularly the 14th Amendment. Or the or the People who, People who would have, have an American, American objection, objection sort just sort of in the American, American tradition against capitalism, have, have, have sort of made this compromise with, with progressives who are more on, you know, the FDR, FDR or even, you know, of, or even you, know, you know, in terms of, when I say Biden, Biden I mean, in like, in terms, terms like of, like, public investment in society. society. Like, 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 hey... hey I know at, that, at that private, private market stuff. stuff yeah, yeah, that's great. But at but the same, same time, time, we definitely, definitely need a lot need of investment in broadband. Definitely, definitely need a lot of investment when it comes, when comes to to changing the power, the power grid of the United States. States. Changing, changing water, water infrastructure. States. Changing how, how changing how cell towers work. work. All the rest rest of that, that, right? right? Mm -hmm. All of that That is is very important. important. And I think we we have sort sort of of shaken the hand of people who are are like, like, okay, we're we're not going to talk about the capitalist system at this this moment. moment. What we're we're going going to do is we're going to say, okay, we're going to do something called Medicare Medicare for all, which is going going to allow essentially Medicare to be single payer, which is just simply allow... Medicare, Medicare to be the only insurance, the insurance only that the public has and, and that, that insurance, insurance company essentially or that, that insurance organization within the government, government is going to be the only middleman between myself and the hospital system, system medical, medical device makers device pharmaceuticals all the rest of them the rest and, rest of them. I, and think I think i think some of the shortcomings of that, that idea, idea are laid I, I laid it out last year, year. In, um, in Medicare, and Medicare for, for all, is all is not enough. The case, the case for nationalizing your healthcare system, which is, especially in the Medicare for All proposals, you and you were just talking about sort of the ins and outs of that. And, and I noticed that you were a, were a proponent of Medicare for All. For all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I think one, one of the real weaknesses of Medicare for, Medicare all, is for all is that, that Americans, Americans and especially progressives like Bernie Sanders, like Bernie Sanders want, people want people to have, have health care, and, and like that, that is a noble goal. goal. Like, I mean, I mean say, say like Armando is in the Senate for a day, day. And, I, and I have let's the do opportunity. it, right? Right, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be yeah, no, this, this, that's be way too much. much. Where are you um, based to Based i'm based out, out of richmond virginia, virginia. Um, okay cool yeah yeah i'd have to, have to I have fight, to fight warner, warner and kane and that's, and that's just not gonna happen <laughs> that's a lot that's a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean i mean warner maybe uh, uh, but tim, tim kane is just so loved here in virginia, here in virginia. he's just, just he he's such a central, central part, of virginia, part of what makes virginia virginia, virginia as part of virginia politics. politics yeah, yeah he's, he's just he's just not gonna be touched it's kind of like going after like chuck schumer it's just not it's a difficult fight but, I, I, you know, know, if I had the opportunity, opportunity to vote for, for Medicare for all, as, as is Bernie Sanders, Sanders. Of, course, of course, I'm going to vote for that. that. People need health care. But, but I think one, one of the problems, problems with Medicare for all is, is that insofar as, far as, as I've, I've seen a lot of legislation, these companies, companies medical, medical device makers, pharmaceutical companies, companies, you know, hospitals things, things like, like that. They are are not prevented from from growing at three to five percent percent a year or or Uh a quarter. You get get me. me. So Uh so, like they have a fiduciary responsibility to make make as much money as possible and keep growing at that rate, rate, which Which means means that American healthcare is going to continue to grow. Like the budget of the United States in terms of terms of Medicare is continue to grow. Now I'm not one of those like fiscal conservatives people like oh my god you know putting so much money into this. The United States world reserve currency. We spend as much money as we like. We pump it in. We pump it out. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a global, global good, and especially right now, like like the United, United States dollar has never been stronger. Been stronger. Not, not what I'm worried more. about. My, My concern, concern is is that American they are going to have, in particular, with, with Citizens United being the way that it is, American, and the funding of American politics being, being, the being the way it is, it is. Like, like these, these people are going to have an extraordinary amount of power over the U.S. government and within American society. At that point, you've institutionalized them. You've not abolished them. Well, I guess
1: I would argue that Right now, they are very much institutionalized. I mean, that's one of the critiques of Obamacare is that it didn't really do anything to change the structure of the market. It just continues to reward not only private insurers, but all the other types of entities that make up the healthcare delivery system, if you want to call it that. And that's one of the critiques also of this most recent package, and Inflation Reduction Act, that right. yes, okay, Medicare is going to be able to begin to negotiate now for a certain set of drugs in a few years, uh, which, you know, it's still something, but it's not Right, It's not right, getting right. at the fundamental exactly. issue that exactly. we still have the, the power structure is unchanged and we have to be talking about power and changing it if we're really going to talk about achieving some of the outcomes that we're looking for. So I agree. I would just say, yeah, okay, It's I, Medicare for all is not sufficient. You also need to be, for example, thinking about, do we need to break up pharmacy benefit managers they should not have so much power. They should not have so much influence. But as long as there are only a couple of companies that are able to create these types of arrangements with big pharma, well, we're, yeah, we're not going to really bring down the overall cost and we're spending too much on healthcare overall. So I think it's like, yeah, both and. But I hear what you're saying for sure.
0: And that's, and that's the thing. thing. I, I totally I understand, understand that. that and there is a need for that progress to be made, made now, because, because there, are there are people right now who are aren't are able to get, get the, the eyeglasses that they need, need the hearing aids, the, able able to to the medication, medication they need, able to go to the medication. dentist, you know, you know all, all, all of that, that is incredibly relevant. And that stuff needs to be solved now. As and as said, I said, you know, opportunity, opportunity to vote for it. Come, it comes come up on the ballot here in like November or, you know, whenever. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's my just concern my concern is, is more over, is handing over that amount of money. And I guess in a way, way I and do i do see what you're, what you're saying is <laughs> that the the u.s, US healthcare, healthcare industry is already so monolith is already is so, large so large and so influential and a corrupting force on especially national politics, politics that when it, when it comes to medicare for all, for all and, and, and it being a single, single negotiating point, point it could, it could add to our, our ability, ability to to have power, power over them not necessarily inculcate, inculcate their power seeing as though they already exist and, and I, I totally get that as a as, a, as an antitrust, antitrust lawyer, lawyer and, 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 as and as someone who would work from, from, from the consumer financial, financial protection bureau, bureau. So it's the, just the it's a real concern that i have because somewhere like in the united King, kingdom they spend a little bit less than 200 billion pounds a year on their healthcare system for like 60 million, excuse me about 60 65 million people which around around US dollars you're talking about probably 270 you know million-ish excuse me 270 billion-ish Of course, of course, you have to, have to multiply, multiply that out, but it's a lot less than, say, than something like two or three trillion, trillion dollars a year, which is, which is what? people were saying that Bernie Sanders', Sanders Medicare for All bill was going to cost. But, but I guess that's a, that's a good segue, segue into into, into antitrust, antitrust because, because that's a, a really, really big, big part of of your platform, platform and, also and also a big, big part of of who you are politically. If you can, can you sort of tell me how you came to law as a way to to achieve justice? Because people have varying ideas about. About about the law law and Mm -hmm. about whether whether or not it it is actually actually there to protect protect people or to restrain them Mm -hmm. Um, Um, or or at the very very least, least, you know, whether or not law permits. Precede social movements, or social movements precede the law, and I don't mean as, mean as in like circumvent or supersede. I just mean as though one follows the other, or, or the other follows the other. other, uh, follows uh, the other. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested to to hear, uh, you know, how, did, how you did you come to law, and and how does the law really factor into your, your politics?
1: Yeah, so I I decided to study law, and it was pretty organic. I would say I first and foremost was interested in solving. Problems that I was seeing as a young person and feeling like there was inequity, and we had to do something about it. And then when I was in college, I learned about public policy. Of like, okay, where are they doing public policy? Washington. Okay, I got to get to this place. So I went to Washington after college, and um, and then I there I started to realize that I just I didn't know very much. You know, <laughs> it's like you kind of you start to hear a lot of right, words right. thrown your way, right, right, like, right, topics, right. and I'm like, I don't actually understand what people are talking about. Right. And it seems like the people that I can tell are substantive and do understand a lot of them have law degrees and so might need to pick that up. And so I decided you know, to go to law school. I also did policy school and I'll say, and, and, I, and I agree with you. I, I think a lot of people kind of question um, the value. Well, I suppose you were getting more at just, you know, how how effective the law can be. I, I'm but yeah, interested but the, in hearing it. I just, yeah. I'd love to hear, hear it. To hear it. Yeah, <laughs> Anything you have to the say, law. I'm Yeah, it. okay. Um, because I know a lot of, especially the cost, and as we're all thinking about debt, student debt, and, and what higher education decisions make sense, and whether law school does make sense. And I always tell people, you need to know why you're going to law school. And for me, it made total sense, because I always knew that I was interested in trying to be one of the people that makes the decisions to ensure the law is serving us and protecting the most number of people that it's really facilitating that vision of everybody getting a chance to be okay. And I knew that it currently wasn't based on how we're, how we were living in the nineties, how we're living now, you et cetera. So I wanted to be able to understand enough to then be one of those decision makers and that's why, even though law school certainly isn't something I would be like, oh, that was the most amazing time of my life. No, <laughs> but uh, right. it gave me a skill set to be able to analyze problems, think about how to design policy, and then interpret, you know, existing policies um, to advocate for what you know changes sh- should look like. So I definitely think anybody who, you know, not to make this too much of like a career talk, but anybody who thinks that they're interested in social change. Law should be something it's not it's not absolutely necessary, but it should be something that's at least considered because I you know especially in the antitrust space, earlier this summer as part of the organization I work for American Economic Liberties Project, we actually hosted a, a happy hour for students because one of the biggest issues in trying to implement a, an agenda, you know President Biden has been pretty good on antitrust issues. He did this whole executive order on competition policy. He has made a priority, put Lena Kahn in as the chair of the Federal Trade Commission. But you need to have people who can work the policy to be able to implement the agenda. You know, And it's tough to find these people to populate the Department of Justice and, and Federal Trade Commission who are not just coming from big firms, but actually are coming from the perspective of wanting to restructure, change markets, take on power. And so that's essential. And I'm grateful that I have it, Uh, always more to learn, you know, and and law and all of that. But I just think it it's such an important tool. And, you know, and to your question about social movements preceding law or, or following it, you know, I think that a lot of... What we're focused on politically, people who are in different movement spaces and consider themselves part of social movements. It's about creating, you know, the narrative and the public awareness that then creates the conditions for legal changes. So I would argue that it would be proceeding that you're not going to be able to get a law through, unless you're looking for a law that is just about protecting a very large corporation that can just fund politicians. And you know, it was pretty corrupt. Uh, yeah. The other type of law that actually is going to be on the protective side that actually is going to be on the side of implementing that vision that we're after. Well, that requires social movement, narrative building that can be done through organizations and then boots on the ground, you know, making, changing the political, calculus for people uh, to make them do the right thing.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's that's, that's that's very interesting. interesting. Yeah, that's that's very very interesting. interesting. You know, know, approaching law as a way to sort of understand politics, because Because where social movements 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 make make, or at least least meet policy is really really the law and and how you you go about changing U.S. code, code, X, Y and and Z. It really always comes back down to how do you specifically change laws and who is it that you're looking to regulate? The actual, the actual slogans, slogans and the tenets, tenets of a particular, particular program or an idea, idea that a social movement, movement may, might might come, come up with, or to with or to to, 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 push to push through, aren't necessarily going, going to equal exactly the changes in the law, or exactly what it is the U.S. federal government can do. And, and I, I, I guess that's a sort of branches like into in the, the you know my next question, which is. Especially Especially regarding regarding the Consumer Consumer Financial Financial Protection Protection Bureau Bureau, Which I believe you were a part of of, Is that right? Mm -hmm. And And the kind kind of challenges that Republicans had had, And and of course the the sort of of just overt Just ugly racism racism that they threw At Barack Obama Obama. always Always. Just Just always always. I mean I I got got my issues with Barack Obama for all kinds of reasons But I mean really all Really He went through a lot Undeniable No wonder he grayed up Over that time It's wild to me the consumer Consumer financial Financial protection Protection bureau Bureau is probably in my estimation was the best thing thing that Barack Obama did in terms of like domestic domestic economic policy and and the amount of pushback that he got from Republicans Republicans and and like like people like the Federalist Society Society, to me just just proves proves that that. just anything the Federalist Society is against and yeah that's that's probably a good idea it's it's they, they did everything, everything they could to try and dismantle that organization. organization. And in some, some cases, cases, some of its, its authorities were upheld. In other cases that I really wish that hadn't been, been. Some, some of its authority was um, rescinded by the, by the courts. courts. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, to, interested get to get your view on the Republican mission to dismantle the administrative, mission mission dismantle the administrative state in the United, United States. States. And a, and a lot of people, people, that seems sort of esoteric, sort of ethereal. You're not really sure exactly what an administrative state, state is, the, it's really the ability of the United, of the United States, States government through the executive branch and, and even somewhat through the, through, through legislative to, to regulate U.S. corporations, corporations and, also and also the private sector overall for, 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 for the administrative state, for, for, for the executive and part of the legislative branch to be able to enact policy and laws, and laws then that are, that are not necessarily Explicitly explicitly written. written. So So everything everything doesn't have to literally be an act of Congress. It can can be implemented through the implied powers powers of the executive. And And one one of the main places places that they they went on on the offensive. And I think that's that's really probably one of the things things that. that, that in that, that in 2008, 2008, I think the the, 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 the idea, the that, idea someone, that someone like, like a movement politician, politician who Barack, Barack Obama was in 2008, 2008 not 2012 was and, was, was, and the idea that he could have, have gotten into power, power and done some really systemically things. changing things, really scared, scared them. And I, I, I think Consumer, Consumer Financial, Financial Protection, Protection Bureau, Bureau was among those things, things that scared them. them. I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to your view of, of, of the Republican project of so just going after the administrative state. state. Like, like we, we, have we have to get rid, rid of that. And, and, and that's one, one of their main goals. Because you, Cause you often hear it on the right. People like Steve Bannon just go out there and say it. Steve Miller, just go out there and say it. We need to get rid of the administrative state. And it sounds scary.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're going to make you think sound scary. Yeah. And in some ways I think their project is even larger than that. I think the larger project is to fundamentally make people question the value of government at all. Uh, and that is pretty, that is pretty scary. So, and that's what we're, yeah, we're kind yeah. of dealing with here, especially I would say in, in this cycle is a lot of this, a lot of what that project has been is coming to a head and it's not clear what their next move is but you know on the on on regulation on the administrative state in particular that was definitely something that was top of mind at CFPB always you know just making our case not just for regulation but for the existence yeah of of government you know that's what it really felt like showing people that government could work that yeah. people weren't going to be corrupt, that government could move efficiently. You know, all of the arguments that are thrown out to make people feel like, oh, this is a waste of taxpayer money. Like all these narratives that have just taken such strong hold of the American psyche, and especially the American Republican psyche, but not exclusively, of course, to Republicans uh, over the last you know forty years or so. My whole life, and so. Uh, that was something that just brought such a sense of urgency to the agency. You know, my first job, when I mentioned, I went to Washington after college was at the federal trade commission and that to me, and I, you know, cause I, I'm from Ohio, you're from Virginia. I know these, these are not like wildly liberal places by right, any right. means. Right, and right. I grew up around a lot of parents that were, had that mindset, you know, yeah. Yeah. government bad regulations, bad get out of our way. And so, you know, to get to the FTC at that time during the Bush administration and kind of feel like, huh, maybe they're right. You know, this doesn't really feel like it's doing much. It doesn't really feel like people are very focused on being efficient and getting things done and all of that. Well, you know, I didn't have the background entirely that, well, a lot of these agencies didn't have resources. Uh, and that's not entirely why the FTC was not effective at that time, to be clear. But you know that's part of it. Uh, and CFPB, because it was you know this independent agency, they were smart to set up the appropriations in a different way so that it would be well-funded, would be able to attract great talent, move quickly to hire them. Then we were able to really just start calculating those wins. And so then we had so many things to show for over just a few years that they weren't able to accomplish their goal of making people, you know, entirely get away, uh, get rid of, of the CFPB. And so that has informed my whole, my whole perspective on what it takes to win in the larger sense, you know, win against that narrative that has become so popular in America and present a counter narrative, which is government can work for us. Government can actually be a vehicle for making sure that we're all okay. And it does start though with, Who's running these institutions? That they have the resources to run them effectively, and that we ultimately, on the ground level, are voting for the people um, that are going to, you know, put the best put put us in the best position, both in their elected office and then who they select to be in charge of the administrative state.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. definitely. And, 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 and as I said, people like Steve Bannon and, and, and Stephen and Miller are really, are really out, out there doing, doing this, and the, and the right, right is really out here doing, doing this in this sort of.
1: Burkean spirit and this Burke-like, Burke-like spirit of
0: the concentrated sources of power or at the very least uh, people, getting people getting together to solve a problem is a bad thing, thing. because <laughs> people I mean, I, mean, I mean literally the more people that are involved in that a government or in an organization that could be democratically responsive to people is a bad thing and Really, really since reagan, reagan they have been spinning, spinning this narrative the government, the government is bad, bad. You, you ronald, ronald reagan, reagan wanted to wholesale abolish the department of the department labor of like, like yeah he wa- he just he wanted to wipe it off the map, off the map. and, and everyone just sort of like forgets, forgets that,
1: that. Um, um that's well and like right now i mean they're saying the, the big conservative talking point right now is Lena Khan, she's out of control, you know, the chair of the FTC. Right. Um, no bill that comes forward in Congress should be giving any more money to the FTC because Lena Khan is just going to use it to bring down the American economy. Absurd. You know, first of all, it's a commission. <laughs> it's Lena amazing. Khan can't really do anything on her right. own, right? right. Um, but also it's like, no, what she's doing is starting to challenge the orthodoxy that has been in place for the past 40 years and use the tools and authorities that the FTC has effectively to check... Concentrated power, you know? So, but the problem is, most people don't know what the hell the FTC is, right? (laughs) Right, Let alone who Lena Khan is. Uh, And so that's where, you know, we're in this, everything comes down to narrative. I am all about it's like, who's controlling the narrative? What talking points do we have out there? How are we influencing the public consciousness? And a lot of that comes back to, issues of media that's going to take us down a whole nother rabbit hole you know the state of, of media You'll but um, You'll <laughs>
0: yeah yeah de- yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. definitely i do what, what i do, do and, and it's sort of singular off it's off to the side, side. I, don't, I don't i don't really do this for clicks views. and views i, 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 you, I you know, know sometimes, sometimes i, I land interviews with people or, or i have discussions that seem really to really resonate, resonate. but for me, me i i'm not one of those like day-to-day like opinion givers like i i don't always have yeah yeah i don't always have something to say Okay. Yeah, uh, that, that's that good. Good. Easy. Some
1: restraint is good in 2022. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I just you know, I, you know I, I, I I'm exhausted at a certain point. point. Just, just like y'all makes, y'all, y'all, makes, y'all are making me tired, tired. Okay, yeah. But, but I totally, totally understand that because, because there was a vested, vested project at that point, point to divest, course of, of course, from education. And, and to, to encourage, encourage the evasion of, of, of at, the, at time, the time busing was still, was still going on, we, we, didn't, we didn't really, really integrate, integrate schools, schools within the South, South, South even South up North until North like North really the 90s and a lot, and a lot of, of that of was due to the Reagan administration, administration. A, lot a lot of it has, has to do with really is is this, this is, 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 is damaging civics education and what the government does and sort of presenting to people an idea of the government outside of someone who tells you what you can and can't do because really the main contact point Points people have, have for government, government are, are really, really the military, military
1: mm-hmm. taxes
0: and income, income taxes, taxes in particular and the police and mm-hmm. that's, that's what they think, they think the government, government is. is and, and usually and at, at least in one, one of those, of those uh, you could, you could just be just walking, walking on your way home, home and, end and end up a name, name a hashtag and, and you could be, be accosted by the police assaulted if not killed And another another one is is really used in in the form of the military, in in my opinion, is really used in a a way to exploit a lot of kids who would like to go to school and can't afford it it, or who who need or who have taken on a lot of student loan debt and need it forgiven. And so it's a way to go about preying on people's insecurities and vulnerabilities. And in fact, they out and out said that, you know, there are quite a few people who came out and out said that when Joe Biden began forgiving giving student, student debt, debt just a few weeks ago. ago, but 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 really, really where I'm getting, getting at this is is, is exactly, exactly like you stated, stated that there's, there's a lack of understanding. There's, there's not a narrative there of understanding, of understanding what the U.S. Government, government does, and something like, like a Consumer financial, financial Protection Bureau, and really the need for the, for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Protection Bureau. And, and I just laughed out. earlier when you say the FTC is out there doing things that are radical, just like. Oh Oh my gosh. gosh. No, 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 no. no, no. Yeah, like, (laughs) literally, literally, please. Like, I, I, there are a lot lot of things I wish the FTC FTC had done. done. Especially, Especially regarding, regarding uh, you know, chip the Chips Act when it comes to semiconductors in the United States when it, when came, it came to price, price fixing between a, a lot, lot of these corporations, corporations people like, like NVIDIA and AMD, Intel, but in particular NVIDIA and AMD, just, AMD, just these two American-based companies, companies, it was insane. Like, was insane. like and you, and you might not think, that that not think like, okay, well, graphics, graphics cards, cards people playing video games. Yeah, that's cool, but at the same time, a lot of these things are used for things like scientific research because of the amount of computational power that they're capable of, and also the kind of research that they can do. Not to mention mention just spare spare parts, parts, like like almost almost everything everything we we do. From, from packaging, packaging and shipping, the computers there have to have some sort of output to be able to see what's on what's screen. the screen. Those, Those would be considered semiconductors, semiconductors or graphics cards. cards. Something, Something as basic as that, even up to just consumer-based based electronics, electronics. You, have you have these graphics cards that are really like supposed to be like three twenty-nine and are going for like seventeen hundred dollars on the on the, the used market, or, or even, even in the new market, and it's and like. It's like what on earth happened, happened in, 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 in May, May of 2021, 2021 where, where the FTC, FTC wasn't just like restricting pricing? pricing. Just, just like, actually, you're not allowed to charge over double MSRP. 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 This, this doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Want I want to get into some of your time, time at the Consumer Financial, Financial Protection Bureau. Bureau. Can, you can you sort of go into what, into what the CFPB is, is you know, and what and also what your role was there and how that sort of pushed you towards your run for Senate?
1: I started in the office of regulations. I worked on a rule for prepaid cards, which had at the time wasn't really regulated. You know, like green dot cards that are sold in drugstores, Rush Card, which was kind of infamous around that time, mm-hmm. right. and and um, was part of the rulemaking team to proposed to develop a proposed rule and, and and put a some structure around that market and so that was really cool not again not the most glamorous work when we get into what legal work can look like sometimes but very necessary and and just taught me you know the ins and outs of the bureau and and the rulemaking process and then I went from there to be one of the directors senior advisors in the front office and then you know had a whole portfolio of issues throughout the bureau that I was responsible for. Um, in special populations, so like military affairs and or service member affairs, uh, older Americans. That's where I learned a lot about you know how the student debt burden is not just a young people issue; it's multi generational. Um, mortgage, mortgage servicing, credit cards, consumer r- reporting, credit reporting. So um, that was cool because you know then you got to interact with all the different parts of, of the agency, which you know somewhat of the structure of CFPB was unique because it was a new agency, so it could design itself in a pretty modern way. But some of its consistent. Across all different federal agencies, you have a research team that's made up of economists. You have the rulemaking team. You have the legal team. You have supervision, and you know getting all these different areas of expertise to come together to decide on what's the best law. What types of enforcement actions are we going to bring? So really cool, really cool experience. But you know, like I referenced a bit earlier, I just also started to feel after a couple of years in Washington, which you know has informed my views on things like term limits as well, that you know I was very disconnected from what was actually going on in real life. And because Washington to me is not real life. And right, so it's right. like, okay, have any of these policies worked? Are we making progress here? And my intuition was not as much as I think we need to, because every time I would go back to Ohio, I didn't feel like I was seeing people, Better off, um, but I, I just felt like I gotta I gotta get to the bottom of what's going on there. And so, you know, after that, I I went and did community development. I worked for a community development organization, so it was focused much more you know, at the local level, and but also for a national organization. And started to see like, oh my gosh, no people are not okay. No, the rules that we've done after the financial crisis are not enough, and the same issues are happening everywhere in exactly the same pattern. And so, we need to have you know federal solutions to do something about that.
0: The Dobbs w. v. Jackson, really, and about, about conservatives, conservatives and really the, the, the reactionary right, their, right, their way, way of viewing the administrative state as a way to the power, power of the legislature to try and, and prevent people be from being able to make individual choices and, how, and that's how that's not a part of the administrative state. state. What, what was your take on Dobbs, Dobbs v. Jackson and its, and its impact on your future work? In, in, in your personhood, personhood as, a, as, a as a woman? woman because because I, I know a lot of people were incredibly devastated by that ruling simply because of the the relegation of women, women and at, at least in medical decisions, decisions to, to, to no, no longer be able to make, make those. those. Like, 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 like how, did how did you approach that, that you know, legally and, and also personally?
1: personally? You know, I, I guess something that's maybe a little bit Unique about me is because a question that sometimes people ask, like, "Oh, well, when did you get radicalized and this that?" And you know, for me, it was at a very young—I wouldn't have described it in those terms—but as a very young age, right. realizing that we live in a society that is very comfortable with the fact that if you are born poor, if you are black and poor, and you don't make it, we do not care. Right. And right. once you know that, you are not surprised by anything that happens in this country, right? right. And, right. and right. don't get me uh, wrong; there are a lot of great things that happen in our country, exactly. but, but we are not free as long as that is right, happening right. and that's a possible outcome for any of us living here, right. then we are not free. And yep, so yep. this decision was another iteration of that reality. And the good thing I would say that is appearing to come out of it, because the biggest barrier to getting the change that we need is people waking up, paying attention, being willing to do work to make things better. And now it seems like, wow, people realize, hey, this is my moment of organization They will go there. I am not free. And what the hell are we going to do about it now? So that's something that can be harnessed for you know larger change on both the issue of abortion access and a whole lot of other issues. And I hope that that proves to be the case, both you know in this election cycle and beyond.
0: This was Morgan Harper. She was a former, former U.S. Senate candidate, candidate former, former candidate for House the House of Representatives in 3rd District of Ohio. Ohio. It, was it was really awesome having her on. I hope we can have you back on sometime in the near future. future. Um, I really do really appreciate you coming on. It was awesome speaking to you. you.
1: Thanks, Armando. Great to be here.